welcome to People, Places, Planet Pod, the official podcast of the Environmental Law Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization working to ensure a healthy environment, prosperous economies, and vibrant communities founded on the rule of law. Hello and welcome to another episode of People, Places, Planet Podcast. My name is Dominic Chicatano, and I'm a research associate here at the Environmental Law Institute, or ELI. Remote work is a hallmark of the coronavirus pandemic, and it appears that it is here to stay. According to a remote work survey published by PricewaterhouseCoopers this January, less than one in five executives say they want to return to the office as it was pre-pandemic. And attitudes around working from home have been increasingly positive. 83% of employers now say the shift to remote work has been successful for their company, up from 73% last June. Among office employees, 96% desire some form of remote work post-pandemic. As we approach one year of remote work here at ELI, we wanted to talk to some of our staff about their work from home experience and the challenges and unexpected opportunities of this new era of work. Joining me today are three of my colleagues in ELI's research and policy department. We have Akili Hu, who is a fellow research associate, Linda Bregan, senior attorney, director of the Center for State tribal and local environmental programs, and the senior strategic advisor for the National Food Waste Initiative, and Jared Page, our public interest law fellow. Thank you everyone for joining me today on the podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation with you all. Thanks, Dominic, excited to be here. Thanks, Dominic, it's nice to be here. Great, thanks so much, Dominic. Glad to be here with you all discussing such a interesting topic. So before the pandemic, I would have likely asked each of you to join me down the hall in our podcast studio for a chat like this. But as you all know, things are just a little bit different now as we all log in from our separate devices from the comfort of home. Where are you all joining us from today? And could you tell me and our listeners a little bit about your work from home setup? Hi, everyone. I'm joining from the greater Seattle area. And my work from home setup has changed a bit over time. So when I was still in DC, it was half of my dining my dining table. And now that I'm back at my parents, it's a desk facing my bed. Um, So in my bedroom, I'm using my laptop and it's sitting on a shoebox so that I can use a separate keyboard and mouse, which I learned early on is important for keeping things somewhat ergonomic um, since we sit at long periods at the desk. Thanks, Akili. Um, Linda, could you tell us where you're working from? Well, sure. I I hate to admit it, but I'm working from Florida this week because with remote work, well, you know, why not? It's a lot warmer here than in Nashville where I'm based. Uh, We're empty nesters and have a free COVID safe place to work. Um, I'm still really productive, billing lots of project hours. Uh, The work doesn't change, but it sure is nice to take my morning run on the beach and watch the Super Bowl pregame on an outside deck by the bay. Uh, But I will say that during the course of the pandemic, I have worked in far less enjoyable places, including a small apartment in Philadelphia and my house in Nashville, where my college-age son was taking his classes remotely, and my husband was also working. Uh, So there were quite a few days when Zoom crashed because of the overload, and we had to wear noise-canceling headphones to block out each other's calls. Uh, I don't think any of us realize that we basically shout on our conference calls. So, uh, But I have been working remotely for years, so I was pretty much set up for this. I just wasn't set up to have a full house of remote workers, Dominic. Thanks, Linda. It sounds like you're a little bit of a work-from-home veteran then. Um, And Jared, what about you? I'm joining today from the desk of my home office uh, in an apartment building in Washington, D.C., and I was attending law school fairly recently. So I fortunately already had a space at home where I did most of my work, 
but since my wife also works from home now, um, sometimes I am working from the dining room table instead of the office. Thank you all for sharing a little bit about that. Um, so could you each please talk briefly about some of the projects you work on at ELI? Um, I think our listeners would love to hear what it is that you all do. Sure. So I work on a number of different projects and it's changed over time in my past one and a half years here. But currently I work on the Nashville Food Waste Initiative with Linda, which I'm sure Linda will be able to explain a lot better than I will. Um, I also work with our wetlands program and we're developing a series of guides on the most challenging aspects of implementing compensatory mitigation. So I've learned a lot of technical Clean Water Act policies that I didn't before. Um, uh, lots of work with the ELI China program, and that's been something I've worked on since the very beginning. And I also work a bit with our publications team. So currently I manage and edit ELI's Vibrant Environment blog, and I also help write the sort of back of the book section of the Environmental Forum, which is our policy magazine for subscribers. Thanks, Akili. Linda? Yes, well, I, I do a lot of work in Nashville where I'm based, including serving as senior advisor to the Nashville Food Waste Initiative, and Achille also works on that project, as she mentioned. Um, the initiative focuses on addressing food waste at the local level, food waste prevention, rescue of surplus food, and food scrap recycling, which is important because we throw away about 40% of our food in this country, and that has serious environmental implications, such as wasting natural resources and contributing to climate change, not to mention the serious social justice implications as we throw away all that food. Uh, so many people, particularly now, are food insecure in our country. And food waste costs a lot. It costs the average family about $1,800 a year. Uh, so with this project, we take a multifaceted approach to addressing food waste at the local level, including education and outreach, policy work, capacity building, and research. Um, as part of, our, a part of our policy work, for example, I've been co-chairing a sustainability advisory committee for the mayor of Nashville, which is looking at ways to reduce the city's carbon footprint, including by reducing food waste. And then in addition, I work on a lot of other projects that are more uh, sort of national in scope rather than local. But in some ways, this on-the-ground project in Nashville has really felt the impacts of um, the pandemic more than my national-level projects. Thanks for sharing that, Linda. Jared, could you touch on some of your work? Sure. One of the main things I do at ELI is work on the Gulf of Mexico team. And it's part of ELI's larger oceans program, but the Gulf team focuses primarily on ecological restoration and recovery from the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill. So recently that's meant researching and preparing materials uh, related to an anticipated environmental impact statement um, tied to an upcoming project on the Louisiana coast known as the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion. It's a large-scale project designed to reintroduce some of the natural processes of the Mississippi River Delta in an effort to rebuild wetlands and increase coastal resilience. And Dominic, of course, you know all about this since we recently wrote on the topic for ELI's Vibrant Environment blog, which Achilles, the editor of, as she, as she mentioned. And really one of the primary goals of all this Gulf-related work is to help affected communities understand the legal processes related to the restoration projects because it can get really complicated. And I also support ELI on a variety of other projects. And this has included drafting material for an effort to reimagine environmental law for the coming decades, 
updating materials for local governments to better understand their compliance obligations under various environmental laws, and working on the Climate Judiciary Project, a really cool effort that aims to educate judges on the science underpinning arguments in climate litigation. Thanks, Jared. It was a pleasure to work with you and Achille on that blog, by the way. I'm excited. Happy you mentioned that. Akili, you and I started at ELI on the same day back in the summer of 2019 and made the transition to remote work together last March. What kind of challenges did you encounter with that transition? The transition was, you know, did take some time to get used to. I hadn't ever worked remotely before last March. Um, and I think what I noticed early on and probably continuing to today is um, I have probably more meetings and calls and emails now just because before people would just come up to your desk if they had a quick question and I would do the same. And it's a bit harder to you know quickly get a hold of each other in such a casual, impromptu way. Um, so, yeah, I did have to transition from, for example, never having had, I think, a video conferencing call before to suddenly having Zoom meetings pretty much every day. Um, and as far as work goes, so for the Environmental Forum, the magazine where I write the ELI report, which is a five page spread that provides updates on ELI projects and activities, uh, we usually try to have a lot of images. And usually the person who writes the ELI report can go to our conferences, you know, our um, ELI seminars that often take place just in our conference room. Uh, but now we're not able to do that. So there's really not many opportunities for in-person uh, events or photos. So that's been a new challenge. I've been, you know, having to look up logos and report covers and other more creative approaches to adding images uh, into our spread. But um, we've been able to fill in the gaps and um, hopefully at some point in the future, I'll, you know, be able to take photos for a similar type of project, but not for now. Well, I'm glad to hear that it sounds like most of the challenges have been kind of manageable. Have you noticed any like I don't know, surprising opportunities in this work now that it's done remotely? Yeah, definitely. So I work on the ELI China program, as I mentioned, and before um, I wasn't able to partake in a lot of the events that we held because they were mostly held in China, where um, I usually didn't travel together uh, with the other program directors. But recently we hosted a live Zoom seminar with close to 200 people from China for the China program. Um, where we also had simultaneous interpretation from English to Chinese over Zoom. And I'm pretty sure in the past, you know, we may not have reached so many people. And I also probably wouldn't have been able to help with that program. So I thought that was really cool. Thanks, Akili. Yeah, I feel like even in my own work, um, more expansive reach has definitely been a benefit of remote work. Now, moving to you, Linda, you've worked remotely with ELI for about 20 years. Did you encounter any challenges as your colleagues and collaborators joined you in working from home? Well, you know, as horrible as the pandemic has been, having my colleagues join me as remote workers has actually been nice in a lot of ways. No longer am I the only person on the conference line having trouble hearing people when they forget to talk into the microphone or trying awkwardly to interrupt to make a point. Now everybody is in the same boat. And, and I may add much more sympathetic to technology failures and the need to speak clearly and loudly. Uh, also, with so many meetings on Zoom, everybody is on video, and that really makes it much easier to connect connect and feel part of meetings and also participate in holiday parties and baby showers. Um, you know, in addition, the ELI, like so many organizations, has made a major effort to make sure people feel connected. So we now have virtual lunches and cocktail hours that we didn't have before. 
hours. So there has been a real upside in terms of collegiality with my coworkers and the opportunity to reconnect with people or connect for the first time with new staff members like Jared. Um, now for some of my projects, the transition to fully remote has been pretty seamless because we've all realized that a lot of meetings can be done virtually quite effectively. And in fact, there's you know no back of the room, right? So I think more people participate in, in Zoom meetings um, than in some in-person meetings. Um, and of course, virtual meetings have the important added benefit of lowering our carbon footprints by traveling less. And that is an opportunity we really need to pay attention to, the impact of remote work on our climate footprints and how we can preserve some of the beneficial effects uh, post-COVID. Uh, but more work is needed to understand the carbon implications. I mean, it seems clear that reduced commuting and air travel are reducing the carbon footprint, but it's less clear whether building energy use, for example, increases or decreases with a lot of people uh, working remotely. Uh, but we do need to take advantage of this opportunity to really examine how to reduce the carbon intensity of work. Now, for some of my projects, the challenges of remote work have been greater than others. For example, the National Food Waste Initiative collaborates with the mayor's office and trade associations on a challenge to the hospitality sector to reduce its food waste. And participants are asked to adopt measures to reduce food waste and then are recognized for their efforts. So this project is pretty much ground to a halt as restaurants and hotels have so much less business, especially in a tourist city like Nashville. And in fact, many restaurants have closed and those that are open really don't have the time or resources to participate in a voluntary initiative. But for other parts of the project, such as the mayor's committee I co-chair that has developed climate mitigation recommendations for the city, there may actually have been some opportunities to be more inclusive as Healy mentioned. Uh, we held our public meetings on the city's climate action plan virtually. And in some cases, I think we did provide opportunities for more people to participate than if they had been in-person meetings. And then we also went out of our way to post the recordings of the meetings and to use social media to publicize the meetings. I think we will continue to do that in the future with special attention to how to involve communities that typically have been underrepresented in the policy development process. And I just want to add in closing that the pandemic has really accentuated for us the need to pay attention to the myriad inequities in our society and to make sure we pay more attention in all of our projects as we move forward. Thank you, Linda. Do you feel like you've noticed any unexpected opportunities in your work uh, now that others have joined you in the remote realm? Oh, I mean, I think the opportunities, you know, as I said, are, first of all, it's um, been much um, easier to connect with my colleagues. And, um, you know, through that connection, I think, you know, new ideas come up, um, ways to collaborate, um, you know, new project proposals, just because we're interacting um, more, I am interacting more with them, uh, because everybody is working remotely. And then as I, you know, as I also mentioned, I think there's a real opportunity here to think about out moving forward, how we generally reduce the carbon footprint of our work and um, to try to hold on to some of those new practices as we move forward. And then I do think that there is this opportunity to be more inclusive, um, to reach more people um, with our programs, with our meetings, because when you do a, an in-person meeting um, and, you know, it's limited to those people in the room, you know, you, you definitely um, are being less inclusive than when you do an open online um, gathering or convening. Thanks, Linda. Jared, you kind of are in an interesting position in that you began work at ELI in the middle of the pandemic a few months back. 
Could you tell us a bit about what it was like being onboarded remotely? Sure. Yeah, it was actually really seamless. And I think that's due in part to the fact that um, one, ELI's HR director who onboards new employees, Laura, uh, like Linda, works remotely normally, you know, even before the pandemic. So she provided me with helpful tutorials and walkthroughs of how to fill out all the paperwork. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there were definitely challenges. And I had to ask quite a few questions over email. But overall, it was really smooth. And I honestly, I probably would have had just as many questions if we'd seen each other in person. And, you know, I have to add that it also really helped that I was an ELI law clerk back in the summer of 2019. So that kind of made things a bit easier too. I was familiar with the forms. I had already met Laura um, and I was familiar with ELI's computer system, which, you know, now I access as a remote desktop through my, through my own laptop. Also have to give a, a shout out to Gene, ELI's chief IT officer who made the whole computer process straightforward and, and helped me get all sorted out in the beginning. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things that has helped through this whole onboarding remotely situation is that ELI is a fairly small operation. I mean, when I had a question, it was easy to know who to contact and they knew me and it meant everything was addressed pretty quickly. Um, and this has already been touched on too, but I'd add that it's also been difficult not getting the chance to run into people in ELI's kitchen and strike up a conversation about what's been going on in the news or around DC. I mean, I see, I see folks through Zoom all the time, but it's difficult to replace that sort of spontaneous engagement in the office. Do you have anything to add about maybe some opportunities in remote work that you've noticed through your time at ELI? Well, selfishly, one of the greatest opportunities has been the ability to have lunch with my wife every day. I mean, normally we wouldn't be able to meet for lunch very often, but that's totally changed now, of course. Um, but professionally, I think the thing I've noticed most is the increased emphasis, particularly by you know state, local, federal agencies to provide for public hearings online. And Linda, you mentioned this in relation to your work in Nashville. I mean, it's not uncommon for environmentally related projects to hold hearings for various reasons, but many times you'd have to attend these in person to know what was going on and they weren't always recorded. And since the start of the pandemic, that shifted. And now you've got a situation where potentially many more people can be informed about some projects in their local areas. You know, before you might not be able to attend a meeting because of work, school, some other reason. And, you know, now you can go to go to the agency website, watch a recording and stay updated. Uh, it's really been quite a shift. Thank you, Jared. So to wrap up, I want to ask you all, what are you excited about with your upcoming work? Akili, would you like to start? Sure. Thanks. So. First, I also just want to say I really appreciate hearing all of your Linda and Jared's insights on remote work. I think sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you know, working um, each day, you don't really stop to think about how things are really different and all the opportunities and, and challenges that um, that relate to working remotely. Um, as far as upcoming work, you know, I'm about six months out from the end of my two-year term with ELI. So I think what I'm excited about is not necessarily related to re remote working, but just about my projects in general that I think I've really learned a, a lot about. Um, I'm excited about wrapping up, you know, a research project that we're uh, 
trying to finish with the Nashville Food Waste Initiative on you know, food waste related actions and climate action plans. I'm excited about the guides that I've been working on with the wetlands program since, since I've started at ELI um, and just continuing to see how my roles with the blog and the forum and the China program evolve. I really would like to you know, make as many contributions as I can before I end my time here. Um, hopefully see people before I leave. Um, that would be really nice. But um, yeah, I think a lot of the projects that we do do translate well to remote work, um, if, especially if they're writing and research heavy. Thanks, Akili. I definitely share um, your excitement and desire to make the most of these last six months. I cannot believe that our two years are almost up. Linda, do you have anything to add? Well, sure. Yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to continuing to find ways to do our events and convenings virtually, which, you know, really takes some creativity. Uh, in particular, we have an event we put off last year with the James Beard Foundation, which, as you know, gives the famous culinary awards. And it was supposed to be an in-person cooking competition with teams of local celebrity chefs to make dishes out of what we typically think of as food scraps, such as potato peels and celery tops. And we had held it as an outreach and education event with the mayor the year before. So now we need to find a way to do it remotely, uh, which is going to be a challenge. And, you know, I'm also looking forward to producing more online and virtual tools and resources such as videos posted on YouTube. And I think now it may be easier to get really high profile people to participate in our projects because it's much less time for them if they don't have to fly someplace to participate. Um, so we're also looking forward to uh, stepping up and creatively using social media as well. And, I, you know, I'll just close with, you know, for many of my projects, we have more money to do all of this with because we aren't paying for travel costs for in-person meetings. That's a great point, Linda. I think some of the financial savings can really open up other opportunities um, that wouldn't have been available before. Um, Jared, how about you? What are you excited about in your upcoming work? So, Dominic, I'm really excited about the Climate Judiciary Project. Um, there's been such a rise in climate litigation in the last several years, you know, including the well-known Juliana case, sometimes called you know, the kids' climate case, and the BP versus Baltimore case that was recently heard by the U.S. Supreme Court. So it's imperative that judges, federal and state, are well-equipped with the necessary scientific background to understand the under underpinnings of these significant lawsuits. Um, and it'll be really fun to work with Paul Hanley, who's the project leader for the Climate Judiciary Project. He's such a wealth of knowledge and expertise, so getting a chance to work with him is, is fantastic. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to making progress on this important issue. Thank you, Jared, and thank you to Achille and Linda as well for coming on the podcast today to share a bit about your work. I'm excited to see what these next few months have in store for all of us, and Looking forward to all the great work that I know you all are going to do. Thanks, Dominic, and thanks, Linda and Jared. Great to talk with you all. Thanks, Dominic. It's been really interesting to hear from my colleagues about their experience uh, working from home, and it's been uh, it's been a fun podcast to participate in. Thanks, everybody, for a great conversation on this interesting topic, and uh, I was glad to be able to be a part of it. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of People, Places, Planet podcast. Thank you for tuning in to People, Places, Planet pod, brought to you by the Environmental Law Institute. We would like to hear from you. So please send us your questions, comments, and ideas to podcast at eli.org. 
And if you're interested in learning more about our work, attending one of our events, reading our publications, or becoming a member, please visit our website at www.eli.org.